بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم محمد صلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ ٹائٹ از دا ٹینتھ آف فیبروری ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی فور الحمد of the noble companion, Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As radiyallahu. And I'm now mentioning his blessed name during the early Makkan period. And I mentioned yesterday the incident which his noble son had witnessed in which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was attacked by the unbelievers. In particular, Uqba ibn Mu'ith who put a cloth around his neck whilst he was offering salah. And Abu Bakr, radiyallahu anhu, came into his defense. Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As, radiyallahu anhu, he had also witnessed this tragic event and he had further elucidated. So this is recorded in Tabarani. Abu Ya'la ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf, Abu Nu'im in his Dila'i al-Nubu'ah, page 67, Qanzal Umal, volume 2, page 327, Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 6, page 16, comments upon the chain of narrators. Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 1, page 455 of the New English Translation. So Sayyidina Amr, he related, radiyallahu, I had never seen the Quraysh attempt to assassinate Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam except on one occasion. Namely, when a group of them were sitting together and discussing whilst Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was offering salah near the maqam of Ibrahim alayhi salatu wa sallam. So stop in the report. So Amr, he is relating the same incident and he said, this is the only time I saw them attempt openly to assassinate the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam because they were sitting and Rasulullah was offering salah near the maqam. Uqba ibn Abi Mu'it then stood up before him and wrapping his shawl around his neck he pulled it so hard that Rasulullah fell to his knees there was an uproar and the people thought that Rasulullah had actually been killed so stop in the report so Amr said Uqba the accursed he was the one who literally strangled the Prophet and due to the force of the pulling the Prophet actually fell and then the people thought the Prophet has been killed so adding a detail from another report Sayyidina Anas he adds once they beat up Rasulullah until he became blank Abu Bakr then arrived So this is in Hakim in his Mustadrak 3-67 Sahih Abu Ya'la in his Musnad number 3691 Bazar Fattal Bari 7-129 or number 3856 stated Sahih and Shaykh Al-Ahadith Mawlana Muhammad Idris Qandihlawi Rahmatullah in his Seenat Al-Mustafa Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam volume 1 page 230 of the English translation So this adds a detail from Anas The Prophet actually lost consciousness And then Abu Bakr arrived, radiyallahu. Going back to the report. So Amr continued, radiyallahu. 
Abu Bakr thereupon came rushing. And from the back, he grabbed hold of Rasulullah under his armpits. He thereupon recited Surah Al-Ghafir, Surah 40, verse 28. Will you slay a man simply because he says, My Lord is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When the people had dispersed and thereupon left Rasulullah he stood up once more and continued offering salah. So stop in the report. So Abu Bakr, he lifts the Prophet up and he recited the verse so that the venom of the unbelievers would now go upon him. And then what happened was, amazingly, the Prophet came around and he continued with his salah. So even though he had lost consciousness, when he came around with Abu Bakr's help, he continued praying. After its completion, he then walked past the group of the Quraysh as they sat gleefully in the shade of the Kaaba. He thereupon said to them, Ya Ma'ashar al-Quraysh, O assembly of the Quraysh, I swear by the being who controls the life of Muhammad I have been sent to slaughter you. As he spoke Rasulullah passed his finger across his throat to indicate this. Abu Jahl thereupon said in an attempt to try and pacify him you have never been one to make such foolish statements. Rasulullah responded indeed you are also amongst them, I who are destined to be slain. <laughs> so this adds details. So what details has Amr added? And he's added, the Prophet has got up, continued the prayer. And the Prophet not only threatened the Quraysh of being killed, he put his hand across his neck. And even in today's day and age, that means death. And then Abu Jahl, look how interesting the Pharaoh of the Ummah, he tried to calm the Prophet and the Prophet said, you're one of them. So this was seven years before Badr and the Prophet was already saying, you're doomed. So in these three reports mentioned above, the two I mentioned yesterday and today from Sayyidina Amr, it does not mention why the unruly Quraysh chieftains had thereupon left Rasulullah. Have you noticed? You get the reports, Abu Bakr lifted the Prophet up, he recited a verse, and then you get this kind of a blank mentioning that they seem to have just left the Prophet. So what is missing? You turn to another report. So this narration is in Abu Ya'la, Al-Istiyab, volume 2, page 247, Abu Nu'im Al-Hilya, 1-31, al in Majma Al-Zawaid, volume 6, page 17, he comments upon the chair of narrators, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 1, page 458-9 of the New English Translation. Some people asked Abu Bakr's daughter, Asma, what was the most vicious treatment given by the idolaters to Rasulullah? Asma bin Abu Bakr replied, once the idolaters were discussing the statements of Rasulullah about their gods. 
Meanwhile, Rasulullah arrived there. Seeing him, all of them rushed to him. I and started to verbally abuse him. The sounds of their raised voices reached Abu Bakr. And the people alerted him. Quickly rescue your friend. Abu Bakr immediately darted towards the area and he left the gathering. On reaching there and seeing the Prophet's life in grave danger, he cried out at the top of his voice. Surah Al-Ghafir, Surah 40, verse 28. Mm-hmm. Will you slay a man simply because he says, My Lord is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he has indeed come to you with clear signs from your Lord? And if he indeed be a liar, then on him is the lie. But if he is speaking the truth, then there will fall upon you something of the calamity of which he, of which he forewarns you. Upon hearing this, they immediately left Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and turned their venom now unto Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. and assaulted him in one wave, causing him once again to suffer serious injuries. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu then returned to us in such a condition that if he just stood something with any tresses of his hair, the hair would fall. Subhanallah, even in such a condition, he was simply saying, you are blessed, or the one who is glorified and exalted. Subhanallah. So this adds the missing link, as they say. So why did they leave the Prophet? Because they turned in anger to Abu Bakr. And Asma pointed this out. And he was seriously injured. How seriously was he beaten? That if... He touched even his head. Some hair would be on his hands. So how serious was the beating? How can you beat somebody so much that his, his hair is falling out? It's like, I can't even picture it. I understand the broken nose, bruises. But to beat somebody that he touched his hair and hair is coming off his head. And even in that condition, he was doing dhikr. You are blessed or the one who is glorified and exalted. Note how even in the most critical conditions, Sayyidina Abu Bakr was still found to be quoting from the Qur'an together with uttering the priceless dhikr of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah. So think about it. This was a very critical moment in Abu Bakr's life. What two things was he doing? Qur'an and dhikr. So what's the lesson there? We don't even do it in peace. If somebody goes, what's your connection to the Quran? If I've got time, I will be a Quran. Zikr, well, I do protection was. So somebody goes, and is that your normal practice? Yes. What if you your life's in danger? <laughs> sort of a question is that, brother? That's the last thing on my mind. <laughs> and the response is, there's the lesson. Abu Bakr, even in this serious condition, he was reciting Quran and doing the Zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who else witnessed this? The gallant Sayyidina Ali 
who was in his early teens at the time, he also witnessed this most brutal event. So what did he say? So this is recorded in Bazaar in his Musnad, Abu Nu'im in his Dila'i al-Nubu'ah, Al-Bidaya, volume 3, page 271. Al-Hadmi in Majma' al-Zawaid, volume 9, page 47, comments upon the chain of narrators. Fatt al-Bari, 7-129. Shaykh al-Ahadith, Mawlana Muhammad Idris Khan Dahlawi, Rahmatullahi, in his Seerat al-Mustafa, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, volume 1, page 229 of the English translation. Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 1, page 459-60 of the New English translation. So his son, Muhammad ibn Ali, alayhi, he said, During the course of a sermon, Sayyidina Ali, radiallahu once asked the listeners, Inform me, who is the most brave and valiant person? The people all said in one voice, Unquestionably, it is you, Amir al-Mumin, because you are the most brave and valiant person. Sayyidina Ali responded, My condition is such that anybody who challenged me, I settle my score with him. Rather, the most daring and courageous person was Abu Bakr. Stop in the report. So this is actually a sermon. And the only one who is allowed to speak during the sermon, if it's the Jummah Futbah, is the Imam. So he's actually asking them who is the most bravest person. So obviously, if you're in Hazrat Ali's presence, he's the greatest man on the surface of the earth after the prophets and messengers, because he's you. And he said something very interesting. He goes, anybody who challenged me, I settled the score. Now what did he mean by that? What he meant was, my valor is limited to taking vengeance only when someone confronts me. He didn't say it like that, but he was hiding his greatness. Is anybody challenged me because I settled the matter? But the most daring, courageous person was Abu Bakr. Then he explained. Once I saw Rasulullah in such a condition that the Quraysh were roofing him up. They were saying, you have dared combined all our gods into one God. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. None of us dared to go near him due to weakness, except Abu Bakr. <laughs> he arrived. He fought with some, roughed up others, and irritated the rest. He cried out, Will you slay a man? Because he says, My Lord is Allah. Surah 40, verse 28. After saying this, Ali took off his sheet and wept so much that his blessed beard became moist with tears. So stop in the report. He's witnessed it. Now what's interesting about these reports, you get this in image that everybody was witnessing it. Abdullah ibn Amr, Amr ibn al-As, Asma bin Abu Bakr, Ali. It's the same incident. And what did Ali add? He said, oh, these are, you know, why you need to go through all the reports so you get a, a more pregnant picture. He said, none of us went to help the Prophet. So what was he meaning by that? He goes, how can I be the bravest? He goes, that was the point. He goes, Rasulullah's lives in day, none of us. Because we were too weak. Illa Abu Bakr. He wasn't even there. He just came rushing. 
Not like, you know, he was, and you get this impression, he wasn't even looking at the numbers. And then, look what he said, he added details. He fought some. So you get this impression that he just pushed him, he actually started fighting with some of them. He roofed others, and he irritated, meaning he started reciting the Quran. Then, Ali showing his deep love, he started weeping. And how many tears left his blessed eyes? His beard was moist. So he had a beard. I don't know what the wife they're playing that. He then asked sobbingly, I ask you an oath. Was the believer in Fir'aun's time better than Abu Bakr? So now this is very interesting. This is a sermon. Why has he suddenly gone to the believer of Fir'aun's time? The verse. So what he's really asking, who's greater? The one who actually, Allah is quoting the believer in Fir'aun's time, or Abu Bakr, the one who's repeated, nobody answered. Why? Because this is a difficult question. He goes, Allah has quoted the believer. So it's him. But Abu Bakr repeated it. But Abu Bakr, so they kept quiet. When nobody answered, Ali Langho, he clarified. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, just one hour of the exalted life of Abu Bakr is far greater than the deeds performed by the person similar to the believer of Fir'aun's time, even though they may fill up the entire earth. Why? For that man hid his iman, whilst Abu Bakr openly declared it without fearing the consequences. Stop in the report. So Ali Radiyallahu said something shocking. And it is shocking. One hour of Abu Bakr is better than the entire lifetime of deeds of that Siddiq, even if that Siddiq had the same number of Siddiqs filling the entire earth. Now think about that. How can one hour of Abu Bakr be greater than a world full of those Siddiqs? Because he hid his Iman. If you read the Quran, he was hiding to protect Musa because Abu Bakr didn't. Then Ali said, Furthermore, that believing man, he was content with mere verbal advice. Did he do anything else? He just, Allah quotes him. Whilst Abu Bakr employed his verbal as well as his physical abilities. In defense of Rasulullah. So look how beautiful. The answer is simple once you know. They, you know this is not to disrespect that believer. He's honored. He's mentioned in the Quran. Allah dedicated a surah to him. Mu'minun. The mu'min. The believer. He's one of the Siddiqs. But he's not comparable to Abu Bakr. Ali said two reasons. He's hiding his iman. And all that blessed man did. He protected Musa. Alayhi salatu wasalam with speech. Abu Bakr, speech and fight his body because he's far greater. So these are the reports which help to explain the most vicious assault on the Prophet. But after mentioning all of the reports, let us now take some valuable lessons. The first, the bravery of our beloved messenger. 
that he would openly offer his worship of both Salah in no other than the Hatib itself and Tawaf around the Holy Kaaba, despite being polluted with both the unbelievers and worthless idols at the time. So think about that. If somebody goes, how brave was Rasulullah sallallahu Because he was the bravest. He goes, can you give me an example? And he goes, his Salat and Tawaf. And then a guy goes, I don't understand. Because he was doing Salat when the unbelievers were in charge of Makkah. He was offering Salat in the Hadim. The Hadim is basically the center where they would sit. Right? He would pray there. And he would do Tawaf. Even though there was their idols around there. Imagine, we're doing tawaf. You know, we don't even smell the idols. He's doing tawaf with idols, around the idols. So his bravery, the first lesson. The second, the cowardice of Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt, that he only assaulted our beloved messenger, when he was immersed in his salah. Aid was causing him to fall to his knees. So he wasn't brave, not in the least. In fact, it was extreme cowardice. And they knew that he would be absorbed in his prayer. So they waited. And then they assaulted. The third lesson. Our beloved messenger, losing consciousness due to the violent assault. So how do you lose consciousness? So if you choking somebody, you, you actually cut the oxygen supply. So that means it was a really, really tight, grip around his blessed neck and he temporarily lost consciousness. Fourthly, Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiyallahu's unparalleled bravery in coming to our beloved messenger's aid whilst all others could only watch in horror including the Lion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Ali radiyallahu. Fifthly, Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiyallahu's wisdom in reciting the most appropriate verse of the glorious Quran in that dire situation, knowing at the same time this would turn the unbelievers' attention and venom upon him, thus sparing our beloved messenger. So think about that. He wanted them to turn their attention towards him, but he recited the most appropriate verse. Sixthly, Abu Bakr then being violently assaulted and left for dead, i.e. and then being taken away by his tribe, vying vengeance. <laughs> Seventhly, upon regaining consciousness, our beloved messenger continues to complete his uncompleted salah. Subhanallah, such was his devotion to worship. I think about that. In this whole scenario, we forgot he was offering salat. I'll be honest. I'm reading the report. Why is he offering salat? Oh, he. And look at the state he was in. He's oblivious. I haven't finished my prayer. Eighthly, our beloved Messenger getting angry for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For his worship had been disrupted, not for any personal reasons. Very important. They disrupted his tawaf. His anger started building. They certainly disrupted his salah. So, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he got angry. And another famous example of that is in the battle of Uhud and in the battle of the trench. In the battle of Uhud, he was seriously injured. 
And yet he prayed for the forgiveness. He goes, forgive my people. They don't know what they're doing in Sayyish Muslim. But in the battle of the trench, when he missed Salah, he said, may Allah Ta'ala fill the graves of the Jews with fire. I have missed Salatul Wusta, i.e. the Asr prayer. So why did he get angry? Because he missed Salah. Personally, he didn't get, he didn't, you know, look into this. So here, not again, it's to do with his worship. And ninthly, fulfillment of another endless list of prophecies. For Abu Jahl was named as one of those destined for eternal damnation, which inevitably came to pass on the glorious plain of Badr. Subhanallah, and the lessons just go on endless. So now, what impact do you think this had on Abu? You know, when I'm narrating, we weren't there, we're listening, we're hearing the reports. Hearing is not like seeing. So this, or these magnificent examples of rock-fast determination of both our beloved Messenger and Sayyidina Abu Bakr, must certainly have left a profound mark on the blessed heart of Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As and indeed all those who had witnessed that tragic event. In addition, Sayyidina Amr radiallahu later also witnessed the fulfillment of the above prophecy with the death of Abu Jahl at the Battle of Badr, which naturally further left another profound mark on the most blessed man's heart. So why are these very important to point out? Because people the magic wand. One day he's kafir, next day he's Muslim. What happened? God put guidance into his heart. But is there anything you've missed? Umar embraced Islam. But he was going to kill the Prophet. What happened? And he goes, well, God put guidance in his heart. And they give you the impression that it's like magic wand. Every sahab has got a journey. What was happening to Amr? You have to go through the reports. And you realize he was seeing awesome events, awesome statements coming through. And all of this was etching the way for his eventual embracing of Islam. And just to add this to finish, was this the only time Abu Bakr protected the Prophet So there's another incident. Who was the first person, apart from the Prophet who openly invited the unbelievers to Islam? Abu Bakr. So the hadith is in uh, Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Hisham, Sira, and Hayat al-Sahab. There were 39 Muslims at the time who would embrace Islam. And the Abu Bakr, radiyallahu, he said, Ya Rasulullah, can I call the people openly to Islam? And the Prophet he did it, he feared for him. He goes, This is not the time. And he goes, Nobody's actually heard them openly hearing about the truth, Ya Rasulullah. Eventually the Prophet allowed him to allow it. So Abu Bakr goes to the Kaaba and he was the first khatib. Think about it. You know, end this list of firsts. He openly called them. And they're listening to him and they're trying to understand what he's saying. And when they realize that he's calling them to Islam, they attacked him. And the most vicious, the report says, in the beating was the chief of the Banu Umayyah, Utbah ibn Rabia. He actually took his leather sole sandal 
And he was using that to strike Abu Bakr when he had fallen, radiallahu So Abu Bakr, radiallahu he was left battered and bruised. His tribe intervened and they saved his life. They thought he was dead. And they said, if he dies, we will take the life of Utbah in exchange. So even they knew it was him who gave him the most severe beat, Utbah ibn Rabia. So when they carried Abu Bakr totally unconscious back to his dwelling, He's, he's not, he's not gaining, regaining his consciousness. So his mother and father is deeply worried. But Alhamdulillah, eventually he comes around. And the first thing that left his blessed lips was, how is Rasulullah? Subhanallah. So he completely out. He comes down because how is Rasulullah? So then his father, he turns away in disgust because he's not a Muslim. His mother goes, it was because of him you got beat up. And then the mother goes, bring him something to drink. Give him something. And he goes, I refuse to eat or drink until I see Rasulullah. <laughs> so the mother says, look, have something to drink. He goes, no. So then the mother realized that the son was not going to budge. So she thought, how am I going to go to the Prophet? She's not a Muslim. So Abu Bakr told her, go to Fatima and who was Fatima it was Umar's sister so she went um, the mother of Umm Khair the mother of Abu Bakr and she goes to Fatima where is Muhammad my son wants to see him so she goes I don't know who Muhammad is I don't know why you've come to me so she's hiding her Iman but then as the mother's walking away Fatima radiyallahu says, I heard about your son. Is it okay if I come to pay a visit? So she goes, fine. So Fatima goes with Umm Khair to see Abu Bakr. When she goes and sees Abu Bakr and the stay he's in, she, <laughs> she exposes her iman. She goes, the shaitans who've done this, they deserve to be punished. He goes, may Allah punish them for what they've done. And then Abu Bakr, radiyallahu, he hears Fatima speaking. And he goes, how is Rasulullah? And then she, Fatima then looks at Abu Bakr to say, look, you want me to speak in front of your mother? He goes, don't worry about my mother. And then she said, he's fine. So Abu Bakr, radiyallahu, said, I'm not going to eat or drink until you take me to Rasulullah. Sallallahu alayhi wa so the mother goes, you've now found out he's fine. He goes, no. No food, no drink. <laughs> so the mother on one side and Fatima on the other, they're now, and Abu Bakr couldn't even walk. So he's basically getting support of his mother and Fatima and he's walking and he's dragging his feet. So how badly was he beaten? He goes and the Prophet is in his dwelling or maybe in uh, Dal al-Arkham's house. When he gets to the, they ask permission. And when the Prophet comes to the door, he sees Abu Bakr. He goes, oh Siddiq, what have they done to you? Oh Siddiq, what have they done to you? And then he wept. And then Abu Bakr, <laughs> he suddenly stands up upright. He goes, oh nothing, Ya Rasulullah, I'm fine. He goes, except for this this mark and the mark was from Utbah who had hit him with the leather sandal or leather slipper he goes apart from that I'm fine and then they enter 
when they enter, Abu Bakr then says, Ya Rasulullah, my mother is a good woman and you are the blessed one. Can you please make a dua for her guidance? Mm. So Rasulullah makes a dua and then shortly after that, Um Khair embraces Islam. <laughs> All of this again shows the incredible love Abu Bakr had for the Prophet This and this incident were very short. It was a very short period of time between these two incidents. <laughs> One was when he was openly proclaiming and he was assaulted. And the second was when he came directly to defend Rasulullah And the other shocking thing, just to wrap this up, both these incidents occurred before Umar has embraced Islam. So Umar radiallahu he's seeing this. And this was like the straw that broke the camel's back. And then what happened? Utba ibn Rabia. He was the one. And, and Umar, when he embraced Islam shortly after, he goes, Ya Rasulullah, I need to go around tell people about Islam. So the Prophet says, Umar, it's not time. He goes, Ya Rasulullah, I should sit in these gatherings. I need to undo the damage. Please give me permission. So the Prophet goes, fine. So Umar now goes, and he's, he's embraced Islam, it's the sixth year. And he's going to every gathering. And everywhere he's going, they jump on him. And then there's a scuffle and Umar gets the better of them. And then he in particular is looking for Utbah ibn Rabia. He said that because I was after him. Why is he after him? Look how strange. When Abu Bakr was beaten by Utbah, Umar was not a Muslim. He's just become Muslim and now he's targeting. So he witnessed the beating. And then what happened? He goes, he grabbed Utbah. He got his fingers and started thrusting into his eyes. And he started screaming like a woman. And then obviously Umar went round and, you know, he goes, I'm happy now, Ya Rasulullah. I got, I got it off my chest. But really he wanted to take vengeance for the sake of Abu Bakr. So note, Abu Bakr was very, very instrumental, not just in inviting people to Islam with speech, but through his actions. And Umar, maybe that is why Umar said, I am one good deal of Abu Bakr. Maybe he was highlighted in the fact he didn't call me to Islam, but through his actions, I found the truth. So all I mentioned today was the same incident, but now from the eyes or the lens of Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As, and he has beautiful details, and then I mentioned a few other noble souls to complete the picture, and we took some valuable lessons from these moments in the early history of Islam. Are there any questions? Let us سبحان بحمدي سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك رب العالمين اشهد ان محمدا سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون السلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والاصل انسان لفي خسر الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصل بالحق وتواصل بالصبر صدق الله العظيم